Omar Colom, did I say your name right? Mm -hmm. Welcome to the Tech Forward Podcast. Yes. Thanks for coming all the way up from Miami. Thanks Appreciate for your time. Me. Yeah. So uh, what's new? What's going on with you? Nothing much. Just here hanging out with you today. Um, you know, doing, doing my thing. So, uh, so tell me about yourself. How'd you get your uh, start in the live events industry? So my start is... Is birth. <laughs> birth. You got birth into it? I got birth into it. You are the first one. I was the first one, yeah. My dad owns an AV company in South Florida, so, you know, from the okay. time I came out the womb, I was, I was there. So you were, you were entitled to this industry from day uh, one? I can't say, I won't say entitled, but I, it, yes. Destined. <laughs> Destined. You were destined Destin for this industry. Yeah, okay. yeah. Destined is a better good. word. Yeah, You're right. right. So I grew, up all, I grew up all around me. My, my uncle does this. My brother does this. My dad does this. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's a family thing. So as a kid growing up in this, like, what's your first memory of... AV like did your dad talk about it at the dinner table did he take you to the office did he show you technology like my son is he always points out projectors yeah he loves projectors so what what were you like what was your first like piece yeah. of technology that no you projectors onto? I mean I, I, I'm a video engineer so projectors yeah no um my dad would always come back with like trinkets and souvenirs and gifts from from, from different shows and like so go stories come back from Infocom or something yeah and just stories like oh I went here and I checked this out I did this I did that and I'd see like the photos he would take I'm like oh my god this is awesome like you know I'm thinking he's doing parties and stuff and then I got older right. you're doing corporate stuff okay but, um, you know, and then going to the office, you know, seeing my family and hanging out with him at the office and seeing, you know, Mac movers and my dad fixes stuff, too. So it was like seeing the, the guts of all like I, to this day, I still think the inside of our projectors are, are gorgeous. That's I know it sounds weird, but I it's, love it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, there's a lot going on beautiful. inside. There. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Same thing with, uh, with lights and movers, like the inside of those, all the motors and gears and stuff inside. Like that's totally intriguing to me. All right. So, so you grew up in the industry. Yeah. So at what point did you say to yourself, all right, this is the path I'm going to go in? So in high school, I, I have dyslexia. So in high school, my, my, my parents separate and I, I send it with my dad. And my dad was literally an, an hour walk or a 10 minute drive from my school. Um, and in that school, they had a TV production class and a theater class. Okay. Um, and for whatever reason, I, I took those all four years. And my last two years, the teachers were so comfortable with me, they let me lead the classes. Not lead them exactly as a, as a teacher, but like for the tech side of it. So every Friday, I had a, a, a new station out. Every three months, we had a, a theater play going on, and I would spend hours and hours after school doing rehearsals for theater, doing doing edits for 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 the um, for the Western News Network is what we called it. Okay. And I learned, you know, I learned to use Final Cut there, and learned how to do all that stuff. Um, so that was kind of like my, you know, hey, I, my family does this, I'm getting good at this. And I'd ask my dad, hey, I need to do this theater thing. I need um, some sound noise. Can I borrow some mic? Oh yeah, here's the mic thing, and here's a crown, and here's how you use these, and here's how you do the board. And it's like, oh, cool. And then. You know, my uncle come over there. Hey, are you okay, let me help you program the board. Let me show you what's going on. I'm like, oh, so then I, I learned that way too, which was really fun at the time. Um, and that kind of how I got my, you know, I got more into it, I guess, with my dad because I was like, oh shit, this is really cool. Like, I can do more with this. Um, and then you know, in high school, he's like, hey, you want to come on a show with me? And I started doing little little things here, you know, mainly pipe and drape. So you know, let me not exactly. I mean, that's where you got to yeah, start. That's is where you start. Yeah, pipe and drape. Right. My dad's always like, you got to work your way up. I'm like, all right. So pipe and drape, but I got to see it, see the setup, see the clients, meet people. So in high school, you got to do a little bit of production. Yeah. Which, by the way, it's funny because we had similar paths. Because my high school, I remember in ninth grade, we got this, we got our TV studio put in, and it was like oh, Panasonic nice. SVHS okay. decks and like the, the little uh, recorder camera. And they're like, who's that kid that volunteers at the public <laughs> access station? Like, get him, get him to do it. Yep, so I, I was literally. The same kid. I, they literally gave it to me and they're like, you do it. And it's yep. basically me and my friends just having fun for 90 minutes yeah. and learning how to edit. But at that point, I never heard of live events. Obviously, my father, mm -hmm. he was a, a, a chemist. He wasn't in this okay. industry. But I never heard of it before. Gotcha. Like, nobody talked about it. So I have to assume 
on your side of the fence, like when you're in those classes in high school, is anybody talking about live events? No. So if your dad wasn't in this, you'd have no idea. I'd have no idea. And what's funny is, so, so when I worked for my father, I did three years and I got to a point where he's like, hey, if you want to move up, you should go get a degree. And I was like, well, do I really need that? And he's like, no, but you should go get one. Um, so I went to school. I was going to do four years. I ended up doing two um, because the entire program didn't teach. And it was, it was for, for digital pro- uh, broadcast. I literally did one class for ENG. Okay. Um, and I, the class I did was, I was so frustrated with it. And it was re- the reason why I stopped going or I ended up doing my two years. Um, I learned how to run an ENG camera in one show with the camera operator. It took the school three months to teach me the same thing that that one person taught me in four days. Right. And I was like, yo, this is ridiculous. And then I did one class for, for actual broadcast switching, you know, in an actual like studio that the school had, an actual switcher and all that. Never took the gear apart, never put it together, never ran any cables, just literally switched buttons here and there and took tests on random stuff like camera shots and things that had nothing to do with what I thought needed to be taught. Um, and I remember like, I'm going to school, I'm working in this industry with my father and I'm, my main concern is signal flow and building and taking apart the stuff, you know, as, as accurately as possible so that we're not backtracking on this cable's not run correctly or this cable's bad and, you know, like just figuring out issues. This school wasn't teaching me any of that stuff. It was teaching me how to be an operator. And, and I can't think of a single person who just left school and was, oh, yeah, here's, here's $40 an hour or whatever. You're going to operate this board for us on this live show. Like, that doesn't yeah, happen. I, I went from high school. I did not go to college. Okay. And I'm proud of that, fact, no. by the way. But so I, I, uh, I got out of high school, started in a small AV company up in Michigan. Okay. And the way I taught myself is whenever it was slow, I would just read manuals. So I'd yeah. see the guys, like, setting up a Barco 808, and it looked like the most complicated thing in the world to mm-hmm. me. So I'd sit there and I'd read the Barco 808 manual. Right. And I would learn how to do it. And like over three or four days, I'm like, it's not so hard. Right. Like it's not easy, but it's just following the steps. It's following the steps. And all you have to do to learn is just, A, have access to the gear, have a good attitude, and read the manuals. And then from there, ask questions. Yep. And Barco know? has, I don't know if they had it when you, that product was out. So I, my, I started on the Barco This was the CRT. So this was red, green, blue. Well, so the, did they have the quick guides? Barco was phenomenal. They had a quick guide? Yeah. I don't know. I, was just, I just remember it was about this thick, and I just started like thumbing so through So I remember I, I would break. always go to quick guide first, and that would be how I get my, my SOP, my standard operating procedure, to like start up and running. And then once I got past that, okay, now I know how to start it up and get it up to, up to speed, I want to learn more about the nitty-gritty of it, I'd read the manuals. But the quick guides were always like, oh, fine. that's the first thing I want to look at is a quick guide because I want to see how to real fast, like what they tell me I need to do for it, how I should start it up, how I should do this and that. And the Barco always had the, you know, power on, factory reset. It was like step, step always step the same. One. Step one, power on, step two, factory reset. And I was like, okay, so that t- for me till, till, till this day now, I factory reset everything because I want to I want to be at a, at a baseline where I know what's going on. Now right. what the last guy did or, or exactly because he probably screwed it up. So just start right. start he, from scratch, start, start from scratch. over, and so then so you know what the baseline is because you're coming in thinking that you're thinking oh though, this is going to be this and this and that and it could be a million things that that guy did to that switcher that you don't even know about unless you went in the menus and found it right or knew what he was doing on the previous show. So I always factory reset and and I learned everything on Barco's. I was a Barco house when I started projectors, switchers, um, everything. <laughs> Me too. It yeah. was Barco 808s and the uh, 9200 Light Cannon, which I think Light okay. Cannon is the most badass name for a piece of gear ever. <laughs> uh, and I was with the Barco guys last week at ISC, and I was like, guys, can you please bring back the Light Cannon? They're like, why? I'm like, it's the most Belgium name I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> and they almost took offense to it. They're like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, just think about it. It's just about it's it, like yeah. Light Viking. Like, it's just a cool yep. name. Um, but anyway, going backwards. So you, you get out of high school, do a little bit of stint in college. Uh, so no. Then, so actually, you, I left yeah, high take school. take me through it. So sorry. So I left high school. Uh, had a, a rough family situation, um, joined the military for six years. Uh, so kind of got away from all of that. 
um, I, I feel like I needed structure in my life at that time. Okay. I was, um, I'm very preppy now. I was very gothic back in the day. Okay. Um, right. very Love into rock to see those pictures. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I had Vegeta haircuts. So just imagine that. Like okay. Black out. fingernails the whole night. No, I didn't do the, okay. uh, I was not right. into the nails part, but I had the long hair. Um, I had the black clothes, the, the Jinko pants and the, the, um, Spencer stuff and the, all that craziness. But anyways, um, so I joined the military to get structure in my life. Um, my, my dad supported, my mom didn't. Uh, so that was an issue, but I joined at 17, um, did, did what's called split ups. So did national guard for a year at 17, went back to high school, finished that, uh, went back to AIT and then did two tours, went active duty, all that good stuff. When I got back out, um, I kind of was lost in myself. I didn't know what to do with anything. Um, I was suffering from PTSD and night terrors and stuff like that. And I was seeing a psychologist and my dad said, Hey, why don't you come back and work for me? Cause you were doing this when you was a kid. Like, yeah, why don't I give you a non-stressful job? Yeah. So yeah. I, he put me in the warehouse. Um, and I just, you know, again, work, you got to work your way up. Even though I was, you know, one, you know, as his son, he's like, you got to work your way up. So I started off in the fruit department, doing pipe and drape, doing screens, doing carpentry stuff. Okay. Um, and then I moved slowly into the video side. Now, what do you feel like having done military? And I've, I've always felt like I've never done, I've never been in the military, mm -hmm. but I always feel like being in the army and being in live events, it's very similar. It, right. You're not, it's not quite as stressful and you're not being shot at. Yeah. <laughs> and then, then there's the army, you know, so the, the, we'll talk about the army. Uh, but I, I do feel like those two industries are the same. Right. Band of brothers, you're working yes. hard. You have to be organized. Yes. You always have this itch to be out there in the battlefield. Yes. And it's something that, that can give you PTSD mm -hmm. if you don't know how to handle yeah. it. So um, when you're in the military for six years and then you come into live oh. events market, did you feel that there were a lot of similarities? Did you feel like your experience in the military is helping yes. you now? Yes. Like, and can you expand upon so, that? So, so real quick, just on the military, I, I, and not to boost anything here, I was infantry and then I went recon and then sniper. Um, and a lot of the things when you get specialized are very similar to the guys in this industry that get specialized in their departments, audio, video, lighting. Um, there's a lot of structures that, that correlate exactly to the military does. FM 21-1, if you re ever read that. I probably won't, but you can Google it. Um, that manual is all about the structures and, and procedures that we use. Uh, literally, the verbiage is different, but I mean, for example, for the video department, which is what I know the best, right? Let's say you're on a bigger show and you have a switcher guy, a media server operator, playback operator, graphics operator. That's four positions right there. That's a that's a team right there. That's one team. Then you have an audio department with four people or more. That's another team. Right? That's two people or that's two teams. Once you get four teams, you have a, a unit, mm -hmm. that, and that's all military right there. And you're all working together. You're all in your little island. You work together and you're proficient. The, the goal is, right, and, and this is why each show is different because we're, we're not always working together, but the goal is that that team together can accomplish the task for the client or the show. And everybody's working from different angles. From different angles for the common goal. Towards a common goal, right, which is 100% what the military does. And what's, what's really cool is that in our industry, we all kind of, once you get up to that upper echelon, you all kind of cross-train each other a little bit here, a little bit there, so that you can be more helpful on show site. So you're not just in your own little silo. Like, hey, I just do graphics. I don't know anything else, you know, which doesn't always happen. But most of the times that's, that's how it goes down. And it's people to help you out, set your stuff up. And it's the same thing in the military. If I have a four-man team, you know, I got a shooter. I got a, I got a, a saw guy. I got a, a medic, hopefully. And I have, a, you know, my backup guy. Those, that whole team needs to work together to accomplish a mission. Independently, though, they need to be experts at what they're doing. They need to qualify with their weapons. Same thing. Okay. So Sorry. when you're working for your dad's company, would you look at that more as basic training? And is that something like in the AV industry as it evolves, is there more of a need for basic training where people can come in and learn fundamentals yes. about our industry? And then from there, they can make a decision on, okay, I want to go into projection or yeah. I want to go into image processing. I, I think the, the best, and I, and I say this because this is my experience, I think the best route is to go into a company, start from the ground up, 
and, and figure out that path you want to take. You know, work for VR, work for, or work for anybody. Work for a company, go in there, and, and, and you know, um, sorry, what I want to use. Work your way up pretty much until you find that department you want to be in and then specialize in that. Well, cut your teeth. Cut work, your you teeth. can work That's for an in-house company. You can yeah. work for you can work in a warehouse work, and yeah. just and just basically ask. I questions say work in a warehouse where, honestly because I I did the most of the warehouse stuff and most of that stuff translates amazingly to the to the field. And you have access to the gear, which right. is you have important. access to the gear, which is important. Yeah, and if you work in a warehouse right now and you're listening to this, I guarantee you, ask your boss if you can stay after hours to work on stuff. They're not going to say no to you. If they trust you to be there without them, they're going to say yeah, no problem. And well, you take out that piece of gear. Well, it's funny. It shines like when I was a kid and I was like, I, I would idolize these guys that would come in from shows. You know, back when I was 18. Right. And I was like, I just want to be one of those guys. I want to hang out with them. Yep. I want to go out on show site with them. So I started reading the manuals, and then they take notice. They're like, what? What's this guy mm-hmm. doing? And then all of a, you know, a few weeks later, they're like, hey, would you like to come out and do a gig with us? Yeah. And then from there, it's like. It's all attitude. You yeah. know, then they want to see, okay, can this guy work the long hours? Can he take the stress? Can he work it under pressure? Right. And if you can do those things, the technical skills don't mean anything. Yeah. Those will come with time. What you need is like, okay, is this person built for this? It's like a chef. Yeah. Not everybody can be a chef. Correct. You have to work long hours. You're going to get cut. You're going to get burned. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's not for everybody, but the people that mm-hmm. do it work really hard and they love it. And, and I, I think feel that, like our industry is the same yeah, way. Yeah, and I think that's a very good point that people are missing constantly is that you can learn all the things you want, but if you're not a good person to hang around with, if you're not someone that's, that's, that's enjoyable to be with, no one's going to want to hire you. You could be the best at what you do. If you, if you work like an asshole, right. they're not going to hire you again. If you're, if you're rude to the clients, if you're rude to, your, to your, your coworkers, if you show up late all the time, if you're not reliable, they're not going to hang out with you. But so that's where a good crew helps you out too because if you were that right. way in a good crew, they would help self-correct that right? Correct. or that wouldn't, be, that wouldn't be stood for. Well, to an extent, right? Because there's always that one guy that's like, hey, he's really good at what he does, and he's, he's specialized on that one piece of gear. So some, some of it gets put up. But I think over time, though, those guys just end up fading out right. constantly. I, I meet more guys who are just, like, hanging out with that are I, they're not the best at what they do, but they're great to hang out with, and they, they, they bust their ass to get shit done, and they're always reliable when I need them. So it's like, yo, yeah, that guy may not be the best at that, but I know he's going to be here. I know he's going to do what I need to do. I know he's going to help me out if I need it. And vice versa, I'm going to help him out because I know he needs it. Right. I think that's the main thing that people are not seeing in this industry is that you can be a smart, you can do all the classes you want, do all the reading you want, do all the reading you want. If you're not just a good person in general, no one's going to want to work with you. It might be, it must be interesting kind of being, because you do a lot of freelance work still, uh-huh. right? So you're, you're not privy to always working with the same crew. Correct. So you might have a crew of guys or gals that you work with that it's tight, everything's great, but then now you're flying across country right. and you're doing a show with a bunch crew. of people that you've never met before. Yep. And you just, it's like, you, sometimes you never know what gear you're going to get and right. you never know what people that, that you're going to get, but a good engineer, a good, mm-hmm. uh, a leader on show site can be like, okay, I'm going to make all this work. Yeah. I'm going to figure out everything, everybody's strengths and weaknesses, and I'm going to pull it all together. Mm-hmm. Do you have to, is there a lot of times you have to take a box of broken toys and make it work? Does yes. that happen quite constantly, often? Constantly, constantly. And I think that, and that's where we're getting back to military. I think that helps me out a lot too, because I was, I was a staff sergeant in the military. So that those skills that I learned from there helped me identify those issues with people real quickly and say, hey, he's going to need a little extra help. Let, let's have him shadow me. Or, hey, this guy's not as good as this. Or, you know, even just gear, you know, gear, like, you don't, you don't always get the same gear. You don't always get the same quality of gear. And that's another issue. And it's being able to be competent enough to know, hey, I was using this same switcher last time, but it was not in this condition. And now, you know, one of these ports might not be working or, you know, whatever the case is. Right. And, and company knowing that, you know what? Let me get this guy to help me run this out or to troubleshoot this with me because I know he needs extra help. And then the other thing too is I'm the first to slow myself down if I see a guy struggling. And if I say, hey, if I just teach him, now I know the next time I see this guy, if I ever see him again, 
you know, when I worked on the manual market, I did that all the time. Anybody I met, I would always teach screens. Screens was like a, I don't know why people don't know how to build screens at this point, but everybody needs to learn how to build screens. I would always teach guys how to build screens so that I knew next time that I saw them, they'd be like, hey, I, I know you know how to build screens. Go. Well, it's <laughs> kind of like the pipe and drain part. It's a thing that, that just nobody really wants to do. Right. You know, it's, but it's but a little you, bit more manual labor. And, but if you teach somebody, they, they learn it. And then the next time they go out with them, you know, they're, they're learning it. So their skill gets better. The next time they see them, oh, hey, this guy helped me. He taught me this or taught me that or, you know, whatever the case is. And then you can move forward. Um, I feel like a lot of these guys are missing that nowadays. I'm not sure. But, um, well, how long have you been doing this for? So I've been doing this officially 12 years, unofficially, yeah, longer, but officially as a, on paper, 12 years. Okay, and then like, what was your first gig? My like first gig when I was like 16 with my dad doing pipe and, literally just pipe and drape. Like, what about your first real gig? Like your first, uh, first freelance real gig? real gig, what was that like? I was still doing pipe and drape. <laughs> You're still doing pipe and drape? <laughs> when did you do your last pipe and drape gig? <laughs> Oh, I haven't touched pipe drape in years. That's good. Unless you count uh, tech drape, because I, you know, I want to. Sometimes you got to put the tech drape up. You got to put the tech drape up, yeah. But no, I haven't pipe drape up for years. So how'd you settle on video? Um, so for me, video was the most challenging, and not to bash any other department. I, I feel audios. I mean, there's a plethora of knowledge everywhere you go. Like, there's so many audio guys. That this market saturated with that, and it's it's an extra lot. Your, your signal flow is very limited, unless you're doing. You know, the, one of the bigger brands are using LL4 and stuff like that. Then it gets a little more complicated. But majority of what you're doing is XLR. It's very simple. Well, what um, I always look at is if you look at lighting and audio, both great professions. Mm -hmm. But the most of that crew that ha that works on lighting and audio walks away. So yep. you typically have an A1 and an A2. Yep. Or an LD and an ME on a really big show. Right. And then video, it's you might have six, eight positions right. if you count camera operators and everybody mm -hmm. in that in that mix. So there's a lot more opportunities for employment right. on the video side. Definitely, that's that's a good point. I never saw it that way. I just saw it as, as the hardest for me. Lighting, lighting was simple. Lighting was just too heavy. I don't, I don't want to lift heavy lights all day. I don't want to lift trust all day. It's just heavy. I guess it just depends on what level you want to do. Yeah. I mean, you can obviously do easy video, and mm -hmm. then there's video that's extremely complex. There's all different. Yeah, and I've, of I've, shows. I've, you know, just jumping on that. I've learned every department, including media servers. You know, I've gone to spider training, ascenders. I've done the E2 training. I've done both of those with you guys, spider in Georgia, but um. But yeah, video was the most challenging department, and I felt like I wanted to be challenged in this industry, and that was the, that was kind of why I went that route. Okay, you know, and the projectors were to me were the coolest things. It's like okay, I want to learn how to do the blends and the, and the and convergence and all that cool stuff, and I want to really fine tune this. And I was all around a bunch of old school guys, like, hey, you can't do warping, you got to do it old school, you know, you got to learn signal flow so you can you know do these runs, and you got to know the limitations of these cables. And it's like, oh shit, there's a lot a lot more to learn in this. So your projections kind of your thing. That's what is that what you're most projection and media servers are my thing. Yeah. So. I always I ask this question because I've heard this many times, like, oh, projector's dying. Proje oh, projection's dying. And yes. here <laughs> on the Evolve side, like, we don't see it. We, right. we see more and more demand for projection. I see bo I see projection. I think LEDs are getting getting close in comparison with pricing-wise. Um, what I'm seeing now is that the guys like me and, and others who, who have been doing this long enough now, we're, we're much quicker at it, and it's, it's, it's what's keeping it alive, as well as, you know, all these new lasers that are coming out now. It's definitely changing. I think lasers are changing the game on, on a... On a on an epic scale because you can even get a 5k laser now and it's night and day from what it was you know five years ago well i just got back i was in isc which is kind of uh, uh the Amster or the european version of infocom right and uh i saw the um it's a new projector from panasonic it's called the rq35 okay and the rq35 is a thirty thousand lumen three chip projector that's the oh, same shit. size as the rq22 okay slash rz21 so you know so smaller frame smaller frame and I saw that projector and I was like, you know what? This is what's going to keep projection alive. Mm -hmm. Is it projection was kind of stuck 
at a, at a right. you know, a box this big is 20,000 lumens, and that's all it's going to be. And a box this big is right. 30,000 lumens. Now projection has evolved, and it's laser-based, so you don't have this light dropout. Like, mm -hmm. it's always going to be 20,000, 30,000 lumens. Right. And, the, and the, the, um, the technology is advancing, so you have projectors now pushing 50,000 lumens, yep. possibly 60 to 80,000 lumens. And that's brightness that can compete with LED. Yep. And it's hard for me to not be biased because I do like projection more than I do LED on, I totally on, all, on all fronts. Mm -hmm. But I've seen a lot of LED where I'm like, okay, I understand why people are choosing LED. Right. But then I see projection, I'm like, okay, now I understand why projection is, is still in there because you can do things with projection that you can't do with LED. I like agree. You can do things that are creative. You can do projection mapping. You can use it in creative ways. And you know, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, I'm assuming you're kind of the millennial generation, and I'm, I'm more on the, close. yeah, 32, I'm 40, so I'm on the, on the Gen X side, is a lot of people are talking about immersive environments, mm -hmm. and you know, what I think about it a lot of times is like in, the next, well, like in the next 10 years, if, if in 10 years it's gonna be primarily millennials that are gonna be the ones coming in to a live event setting, right. a meeting, is this generation and the, and the younger generations, are they gonna to wanna to come in and watch a PowerPoint presentation all day? Or are you gonna to have to come in and say, look, I have to, I'm gonna compete with your phone, right? Right. I'm gonna entertain you, I'm gonna give you an immersive, immersive environment, mm -hmm. I'm gonna give you a reason to be here. Is that an opportunity for the live events industry to step up its game yes. and kind of take things to the next level? Because I, I feel like the status quo at some point is gonna go away. Yeah, so I feel the projection as, as a medium, the way we use it now is dying out, not the projection themselves, I feel like that, but what you're saying is where we're going with it. And I think that's becoming more and more prevalent and LED walls are not, not able to keep up with that demand of, of what that is. Cause I mean, I've been seeing shows lately where, you know, LED walls are the same, they're, they're bigger, they give good colors, but you can do these projected mapping gigs that just give you these Im immensive, uh, immersive environments that you can get into that, that the clients can walk around and they can interact with and they can, they can do more with it. And you can't do that with LED. You and have there's to do way projectors. less points of failure. Way less points I mean, of failure, yeah. Yeah, oh, and that's another thing too with LEDs. You know, it's it's Ethernet cable, and one cable goes wrong, the whole panel goes out. It's you know, a bunch of Christmas lights. Running, it's Christmas, yeah, you know, oh, there's so many things with it. But and lasers, laser projectors and projectors in general. I mean, even weight wise too, like Panasonic's, are, you know, a quarter of what the weight was. You look at a Barker RMW12, that thing's in comparison to a, a, Bar, a Panasonic, you know, 120. That thing's you know twenty times. Well, it's all it's changed. I mean, you look at an FLM twenty k, mm -hmm. and what a twenty k weighs now. It's probably half the weight. Half the weight, you know, yeah, easily for sure, easily. So they're getting lighter, they're getting easier. They have the cages that are way better now, um, and not just that one product. You know, multiple multiple of them. But projectors are able to do more of more things that we're just not doing yet. That I, I think we're going to start getting into in the next couple five. Well, to I 10 think years. the key is. You never overreact because when a new technology comes out or a technology mm -hmm. like LED that used to be really expensive and then has gotten really cheap, right. everybody, clients are ultimately going to rental staging companies and saying, give me something different. Yeah. And what a lot of them are doing is they're saying, well, we'll take these rectangle screen, screens yep. and replace them with rectangle LED. Yep. And that's working, but then eventually it's like, well, I need something different. Give me something that's more immersive. Yep. Give me something that, that calls out to my audience. And the pendulum always swings both ways and it'll probably settle somewhere in the middle and there'll be shows that can utilize LED, shows that can utilize projection, and then Correct. shows that can utilize a mix of the two. But my question to you would be as a, you know, if someone, if there was someone that was primarily doing projection and obviously you have shows that are reoccurring, mm -hmm. if you're seeing 50% of your clients saying, hey, um, this is gonna be an LED show, do you look at retraining yourself or you just let those go and then try to diversify and, and look for more projection focused gigs? Like, do you stay projection, or do you say, all right, I need to learn how to use this technology? So I'm on the ladder of I need to, I need to always be improving. So I've already learned Bromptons. I've learned Nova Stars. I've learned LED panels. I've learned how to build them, set them up. 
Um, so I've already gotten myself into that into that realm so that the more calls I get, I, I can take those calls. I, I still feel that projector though, like we were saying earlier, doesn't get utilized to its full potential. And I think that as, as the scenic pieces get more elaborate and the sets get more elaborate, it'll come back more. So my skill set will still be there. Um, but definitely LED walls, I've, I've been learning a lot more about those the last two years. Yeah. Just because of that same scenario where I'm getting those calls now. It's like, well, do I say no because I don't, I don't want to learn it? Or do I learn it and just, you know, do what I can? And it's been the latter. I'm learning it so I can, I can get on shows. Well, it's interesting that you do media servers too. Because, yeah. you know, what we want to do is educate our customers on media servers because most see them as an expensive tool for only the largest shows. Mm-hmm. But I look at it as it's the tool of the modern live events company yeah. because if shows are going to go from basically rectangle IMAG screens and you know basically large format televisions right. in, in, a, in a ballroom and go to more immersive environments, now you're not you're not it's not a screen it's more of an immersive environment. Okay. Now you have to wrangle all those pixels. So do you see the importance of a media server? Kind of like a, the light bulb for me clicked like six months ago. I'm like, oh, I finally understand what this does. Gotcha. And not only how it works to play back content, but also how it can be used to win business. It's interesting you say it that way because I've always viewed it as as video finally catching up to lighting and audio. Um, when you go to a show site, you know, when you have just a regular switcher, you're lucky if you have an aux going out. You know, think about, uh, you know, the 902s. That was just program out. That was it. Now you get, you know, upgrade to, let's say, a Hanaba or, a, um, or any other switcher and you might have an aux out, you know. Those were us kind of getting up to that level where I can do what all the audio guys and the lighting guys have been doing for years. Yeah, I'll send whatever you want anywhere you need. Where video is like, unless you tell me that ahead of time, I cannot make it happen on the fly. Now with the media server, I can. I can send you, I can take in whatever you want, and I can send out whatever you want and send it to wherever it needs to go. Assuming I have enough inputs and outputs or IOs. Right. I feel like media servers are now at the point where we are catching up to audio and lighting and saying, hey, we can also do the same thing they do now. Where the end, I feel like that was also a lot of frustration with clients is they're seeing their audio guy and their lighting guy can, can send whatever they want anywhere on the fly for them based off of what they purchased. And video guys are always saying, oh, we can't do that because you didn't tell me ahead of time or it's too late now or I have to bring in this other piece of gear to do that or I have to do this and that. Media server, now I, I'm able to play at that same level saying, yeah, what do you need? Where do you want it? Right. And, and, and I get the added benefit of saying, now I can, I can play with my screen. So if I have a, a bigger screen, I can create multiple sizes, multiple shapes. You know, I'm not limited to what my switcher is now. I'm limited to my imagination almost at this point. Which and is, that's, that's to me is where the industry needs to go. Yeah. Is either, either you're going to go in one direction or the other. Mm-hmm. There'll always be room for meetings. But when you get to that tier one and you're doing the larger shows, yep. it's got to be media service have to be part of that, yeah. that equation. I think know, I'm not trying to, to sell media servers here. It's just <laughs> when you look at what they can do, it's not just playback on show. It can be yep. used as a selling a sales tool here's your rendering here's right. your fly through this is what your show is going to look like all the way through the process yeah. no, so I to totally me it's, a, it's really exciting technology it's just we have to figure out a way to make it less taboo for people because it is confusing it, it confused right. me for a long time and finally i'm like okay i'm a total advocate of this of this platform. I, I i just for me it's as you know from being on a hand from being on so many shows you know my, myself i feel like video it has to go that direction we can't keep using those single switchers, those single things, unless you're doing something with cameras to feed it to that, I mean, you can't. And it's kind of fun, right? The technology's fun. It's, it's, it's definitely it fun. It kind of gets your creative side it going. It gets your creative side going, and, and you're not limited to what that one box does anymore. Now, right. you, now you're, you're, you're able to do so many more things and, and be more creative with it, which, again, gets back to that, that immersive environment. That immersive environment becomes much easier when you have this media server to run it all. Well, you got the keys to unlocking that. If yeah. the content's developed, you can make it happen. Mm-hmm. All right, so you submitted some questions. So I'm just going to, because I think some of them are really good. So we'll we'll go through them uh, real quick. So this is is one of my favorite questions to ask people is, 
are you a video engineer or what is a video engineer? Okay. And, and what I tell people a lot of times is you can either come in and learn a piece of technology. So let's say you, you come in and you learn how to, tr you learn how to run an E2. Okay. You're an E2 operator, right. but on show site, you can't call yourself a video engineer. The only way, and this is my opinion, then okay. I'll let you, you let me know if I'm right or wrong or take this in any direction you want to go in. But if you're calling yourself a video engineer, it's kind of the way you, you might be able to call yourself a CEO. You can't call yourself a CEO unless you're running a business, inspiring people. Gotcha. You, you have a vision, but you can't just like own a, have two employees right. and say, hey, I'm a CEO. <laughs> right, like right. You have to earn that. And like to be a video engineer, I feel you have to earn it. So. My opinion of a video engineer is if I'm in a position on a show, and let's let's use E2 since that's the most common right. video processor, I'm the E2 operator. I'm going to charge a high rate for that position, and I have to at least have some working knowledge of every position on that show, which means I'm not as good as my projectionist, but if my projectionist wasn't here and something happened, I could jump in there. Yep. I got uh, a Triax cable that goes bad. I have enough engineering skills to fix that. I yep. can strip an end. Um, you can rotate to any position, troubleshoot, fix, jump in there, and not just be strapped into yep. sitting in front of this box. I agree with that. If you want to bill yourself out as an operator only, that's fine. You, you can certainly do that, but mm -hmm. I don't think that you should call yourself a video engineer. A video right. engineer is, I have a wide knowledge that I've earned over a long time, right. and I'm going to apply that. You're hiring me for my knowledge as a, as a video engineer. Right. What's your take on that? So my, my take on it, so it's a, for me, it's a verbiage thing, right? Um, you know, words have power, so you know, I feel that in the industry, legally or technically not legally te let's say technically we are video technicians unless you went to school and you got an engineering degree and you have a license to be an engineer then you can call yourself a video engineer but you also like you're saying have to be able to do all these other departments at, at an esc level if you can't if you can only run the one system I, I don't think you can call yourself a video engineer. you can call yourself an operator for that for that system but you can't call yourself a v1 in my mind uh, and then and then back to the verbiage thing it's i feel that people get stuck in the verbiage a little bit but we are an industry where we, we're, we're in a great area because we do have to know engineering as part of our job to get, to get what we need to get done. It's not just a technician. I'm not, ju I'm not just an operator of that piece of gear. There's also other things going on about There's signal flow going on in the background. There's an understanding of, of, uh, of data, bit, of bit rates, of resolutions, of how that's going down. There's HDMI cable, there's SDI cable. There's a lot more knowledge going around. It's on the engineer level, but there's no schooling for that. Right. And I feel that the, I feel like, the video engineer verbiage is just an, is, a, is a legacy from when this industry started 30, 40 years ago when the guys went to broadcast engineering school and came in and left the films, the, not the films, the TV studios to come into this industry. That verbiage stuck with them, and we just carry that on. We kind of grandfather ourselves into that. But the reality is, is you, you didn't go to school to become a broadcast engineer. You came into the industry and took operating is, classes, technical yeah. classes. And that's interesting because, like, when I first started, I, I, I started way back in 98, right? Right. And you're like most of the gear that was used was broadcast gear, yeah. the beta decks, mm -hmm. the production switchers that you'd have to physically time. You'd have to open this gear up yep. to set it up. Even projection, you had to open the projection up to get up yep. and running. You couldn't do everything the by remote tube, control. Uh, you had to physically get in there mm -hmm. and engineer the box. So in a way, like broadcast engineering skills and engineering skills are important. And that term has been grandfathered in. Correct. But I guess my question would be, if you're if you are the V1, you're in the leadership role of video on site. Mm -hmm. Is there a better name for it? Yes. Or is it just V1? Hey, you're the V1. Yeah, I'd see that. That's the debate right there. Is is what would be a better name for it? And I and I, I don't know because I do see that as a gray area. We, can we, we can we comment below on uh, on better yeah, names love, for, uh, yeah, for video names. engineer? I'd love to I'd love to hear. It. We'll nominate yeah, someone. I, I feel you like, could change the industry. <laughs> 
That, that would be interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that is it to me is where we fall in that gray area where we have to be both an engineer and a technician. So you are an operator, but you also are an engineer. If you're, if you're at that level, there are people that, you know, they, they only know one piece of gear and they, or they barely know it and they, they operate that one thing. Um, but yeah, for me, a V1 has to be able to run, he has to be an ESC, an ESC level person to be calling himself a V1 to a video engineer on a site. He should be able to say, Hey, this is what I'm running here. But if anything else happens, I can jump on and fix it or get it running or, or figure out what the problem is or real quickly on just my box, tell you, hey, I'm not getting the right thing. Let me program my E-Did or, hey, that um, I'm missing colors on that. Color space is wrong or your cable's bad. You know, what, you know what role I always thought should be more adapted to live events? I don't know if it'll ever happen, but I'm a big proponent of it is what? in the broadcast world, they have which is what is known as an EIC, engineer yeah. in charge. And basically, okay, you've got your E2 op mm-hmm. and your media, media server op and all your ops. Right, right. And they're able to focus on their vertical. Yep. And then you have an EIC that basically work with the rental staging company. Mm-hmm. They signed off on all the gear, all the sub rental items. They, they, they did all the cable counts. They've, they've reviewed the drawings. They're there to help load in. They're there to help with the setup, mm-hmm. answer any questions, solve any problems. So if you're, if there's an issue, you can stay in your seat. I'll, I'll troubleshoot it. Yep. You're missing something. I'll get on the phone. And then once the show's happening, I'm sitting at a desk in front of my laptop, and I'm there just in case anything is right. going wrong. And it's similar to a pilot. Once the plane's up in the air, yep. okay, it's a hard job, but we're in autopilot now. And if there's turbulence, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. And I think on the larger shows, an EIC is the perfect position, but I think it's something that's really rare or something that isn't really talked it, about. But I did a truck gig or a few truck gigs years ago, and I remember I, I would work with the EIC was the guy or gal. Like That yep. was a person that you went to with all the, the questions. They dealt with all the stress. And once the, the TV broadcast was going, they were the ones sitting on the easy, in their easy chair next to the truck just watching the <laughs> broadcast in case anything goes right. wrong. And that's the calmest part of their job. So, so I, I definitely get hired for that position a lot. So that is coming back. There's Let's a bring that back. There is a need for that. I do get hired a lot for that position. Uh, I do a lot, a lot of most, I would not say most of it, but probably 60% of my traveling is just for that one position. Um, and, um, and you said something to me that, that I feel doesn't happen a lot and I feel like it should. Uh, you know, when you're in that lead role, you are supporting your team. You're not there to, to sit back and relax once the show's going. You're there to support whatever your team needs. Any department, your job is to support that team and get them what they need so they can do their job efficiently. Right. And I feel like I've, I've met other guys who, who, you know, the show starts and they're like, okay, you're on your own. You know, if anything happens, let me know. And then they come, they come in as like a reactive force instead of a proactive force. Um, and that's, you know, maybe that's why I get more calls for it. I don't know. But that's something that I'm very, very keen on. Even, you know, when I work with anybody, it's like, hey, how, you know, what can I get you? What can I make happen? Like, how can I help you? Because we're, we're in this together. But I'm, I'm done with my stuff. Well, if you think about it, on a, on a really big show, if you are the V1 and you are operating the E2 right. and you're in rehearsals and the, the chances of things going wrong are much greater, obviously, on a very large show. Mm-hmm that's where you should have an EIC yep. because you can't get out of your chair and yep. now you're stressed out because you're like, Oh God, how do I fix I this? Do this. Pro- I now run now you're preoccupied uh-huh. where an EIC can just get up and, and start yeah. tackling. So anyway, more EICs, the better. I think, no, I no, think it's a great, it's, people, you know, go, to, go learn how to be an EIC and create the position in the industry because it's, it's needed. Yeah. And I, just real quick to jump on that. I think one of the problems we're having in the industry is that, that on the client side, um, the big house box office people are selling that. As like, but that guy is standing in the room supervising, really. But he's right. being sold as an ESE, and I think that's where that that discouragement of that is on the client end, where because they see it on your side, like, oh, why am I paying for this? You know, I paid this for these guys, and it was you know some guy standing there. I was like, well, no. It's your insurance policy. Right. So it's like, I know when I do that gig a lot, I'm you know I'm always running around mainly doing signal flow, but that position to me, yeah, is super important. I, I, that's a great topic you brought up because it's 
it needs to be brought up more. It needs to be done more. In the so, industry. so here's another, before we run out of time. Sorry. Um, no, no, this is a great conversation. This hour or three <laughs> hours or however long we're going is, is flying by. Um, but one of the things I want to ask you is, um, before we get into kind of AV educate and what you're, what you're going, what's going okay. on with that one is health and well-being. Okay. Cause I talk about health and well-being a lot. You know, I'm a big proponent in health. Yep. I try to go to the gym every day. Um, when I was a technician, I was the complete opposite very social, go out with the guys, beers, you know, late yep. at night, back in the hot seat at six in the morning, could easily do it in my 20s. At 40 years old, I don't know if I could do right, it. Right. And I often wonder like if I were to continue at the pace as I was from 20 to 32, mm -hmm. what health condition would I be in now? Yeah. If I didn't make lifestyle changes, eat healthy, exercise, mm -hmm. you know, all those things. But before I let you answer this question that I'm sure you will, you, you know a lot about, <laughs> it's really effing hard. You know, I can't, it's hard for me to go to a freelancer and say, or technician and say, just work out, just do this. And it's right. like, well, what do I do when the client is literally rolling in pizza backstage right. at eight o'clock at night? And I've been here since 6 a.m. and I'm here till 10 o'clock at night. Oh, yeah. When exactly am I supposed to go to the gym? Right. I think that's easier said than done. And I have a lot of respect for people that can actually be disciplined enough to like get up in the morning early or go to the gym really late. Right. So you're obviously Thank a you, busy freelancer, but how do you fit that into your schedule and how can, like, what have you, first of all, what's the good, bad and ugly that you've seen with okay. technician friends that you've known? Right. And what advice to people out there uh, could you give, what advice could you give the people to help with their health, well, health and well being? Right. And, uh, overall just their ability to crush it for a long period of time in this industry which you can either crush or it can crush you oh that's i like that um so yeah so last year um i won't mention names but last year uh, one person very close to me died and three others died that i'm aware of that i was i, I knew who they were but we weren't very close um, same all health related issues because of the stressful industry we're in um some of the things that like i do personally that help me um, and I know people are going to have their own opinion about it. I fast after shows. So if I go out of town for, for a, a big show and I'm getting fed by the hotel three meals a day, which most of the time is good food and it's fatty food and it's not healthy for you. I'll take a day to let my body just rest and kind of digest all that and kind of let my, my body detox for me. When, when it comes to timing issues, if you know, I'm, I'm not a big sleeper. So, you know, six hours, five hours is about all I need. And I'm, I'm up and going, I try to go to the gym if I can't, cause of timing issues. I'll do a quick, uh, hit, it's called hit training. If you know, if you guys don't know what that is, look it up. Trust me that 15, 20 minutes of that. And you're going to be good to go. There's YouTube clips that you can use your, you your bed really, and your, yep. your, your hotel room to do a 20 minute exercise. Yeah. Things like little things like Just that. Just little things like that. Uh, um, so, and I, and I do what's called uh, card PT, which I was, I was posting about this month. Um, and, and while you're talking, can I pull up, uh, ahead, yeah. Rich, if you want to go to the AV educate page before we talk about it, I did see something. Where was it? You had something where it was like, uh, here a, it is. A deck uh, card? No, back pain relief. It was oh. almost like yoga positions that you could use on yeah, a chair, so I you found, know, backstage. I found these really cool guys who, who make these, I, mean, I, I say quick guides for a lot of things, but like little illustrated guides. Um, and they're, they're chair workouts almost so that, you know, you know, we spend 10, 12 hours in a chair, 16 hours in a chair. These little things you could do in a chair real quick and knock them out. Again, back to the scenario, Hey, I'm stuck on a job all day. I've been working from 6am to or 6, 6am 6 to 6pm or, or 8pm, whatever the, the scenario is. There's, there's some little guides now that now you can just knock them out in your chair do you while think, you're sitting there. Do you think it's important for, uh, AV companies, production companies to, to make sure that the hotel is providing healthy food to make sure that there are breaks for the crew where they can get out, stretch, walk. Yes. Uh, do you think there, you know, AV companies should indoctrinate health and well-being more? Because I feel like a lot of people go from show to show to show, mm -hmm. but there isn't any. There isn't. There aren't a lot of people that are saying, "Hey, 
you need to take a break or, right. you know, how are you doing? Because it is, there's the health and well-being side. And there's also like, if you're just going through something, like if right. you struggle with anxiety, depression, you're going through a divorce, something's happening in your life and you can't stop that you're on a train. You can't get off the train. Right. Because that's how you make a living. You know, nobody's, there's nobody that you can really talk to to say, all right, this is what I like. It's almost like an AV therapist. Yeah. Like, what do I do? Like I'm struggling right now. Mm -hmm. I'm drowning in, you know, anxiety. I'm going from show to show. How do I break away? Like right. nobody's really talking about, so, nobody's talking about one mental health and well-being mm -hmm. a lot. And I think one of the big issues is when you're, when you're in that band of brothers and you're working with that crew, it's hard to sit there and, and talk about, Hey, I'm going through some stuff right now. I need some help. Like, it's just not something that's brought up in conversation very often. Or uh, maybe you see something different. Yeah, no, that's, that's just a tough one for me because I feel like that's, that's on you to, to manage that, that scenario. Um, and one, you know, one that's on you to manage it. And two, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all about seeking for help. I'm all about talking for stuff when I can to, to select people. You know, I'm not, super open about my personal life but if i have a real issue I'm, i'll find a friend or a colleague or somebody who i can talk to about it and, and kind of you know get it off my chest and, and let it out to the universe and, and get it get it over with um you know it was funny when you're saying that, i was thinking about you know myself in general you know i get lunch breaks sometimes i'll grab my plate take it to my desk eat there because i still gotta work on something to, to get it done right uh, you know because uh, i'm just like man i gotta get this done so it's, I don't know. I feel like it's, it's a tough subject because I don't know. I feel like it's on the, it's on the person. Do, you know, and I hate to say this, but do I have to baby that person who I'm hiring every time Yeah. to, to work with me? But, you know, when you see people that are young dying. Yeah. And I don't mean to get all down. No, no, no. But, I mean, like when you see people it's that are in it. their early 40s having heart attacks, mm -hmm. it's like obviously something has to be addressed for stress management. Yeah. Like we're not meant to sit in chairs all day long. I agree with that. So it's like, all right, get your step counter. And be like, I have to walk 8,000 steps a day. Right. And whenever I have a break, I'll just do laps around the hotel or in the ballroom. It's like maybe little things like that help. I don't know. Why, I don't know. Why I just thought it's maybe that's something you do then like, as, as, a, as a TD's job. Hey, everybody get up for a few minutes, stretch out your legs, stretch out your arms, you know, do a lap around the ballroom real quick. Just get your blood flowing and then go back to your chair. Right. Because you're you know? sitting in a plane. You're sitting, yeah. you're sitting in a chair. Uh, you're, you're going oh, back you're to your hotel room. Jesus. And a lot of times <laughs> you're, you're in a hotel for a week and you never really right. get to leave. And then it would be one thing to be able to go home for a week. Mm-hmm relax, you know, uh, drink your green shake, yeah. go to the gym and all that stuff, get it back on the protein no, and, diet. Yep. But a lot of times it's like, all right, I'm going to the next city and I'm going to do it all over again. Right. Right. And no, and that's why I do the card PT thing in my, in my room real quick. Cause I know those I can knock out real fast. It takes about 15, 20 minutes. I, I pick four random workouts. I just do them real quick. I get it done. I go about my day. Um, cause I don't always have time to do that. Uh, and then I don't have any good advice for the plane rides other than that one post about some stretches you could do in the plane. Um, I'm, I'm actually, more into yoga than I actually strength training. So I do a lot of yoga stuff. So I do a lot of stretching. Yeah. The planes are horrible. I mean, right. you know, unless you get, unless you got status, you can fly first class every time, you know, planes but are it, just bad, but it is good. Like long term. Okay. You, you, you have to make a plan and think, okay, I'm doing this in my twenties. This is where I, I need mm -hmm. to be. This is where, but you know, not just from a money standpoint, but just personal well-being, all right. these things. Now I'm going to my thirties, my forties, my fifties. What is that progression? What does my life look like through the industry? Because if you plan it out right, this industry will constantly reward right. you. If you don't, it can easily suck you in. And yeah, so I mean, everybody has to be careful. Hustle in your twenties to thirties, thirties to forties. You should build your empire, or or, or build, or, you know, finalize yourself in your career. You know, you should always be moving up the ladder. If you're, you know, 10, 20 years as a stagehand, you know, you're 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 hustling it. <laughs> You might yeah. want to start trying to get into lead roles so that you're not always killing yourself. Well, in your twenties, people should think. I think 
people should think that you're broke all the time. So yeah. 20s, it's just save all your money, live with your parents. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're going to be on the road all the time, yeah. drive a garbage car to get yep. you back to the airport, back and forth. Live as low as you can. Expen- like Keep your expenses as low as possible. Yeah, you're right. And then, sure. and then figure out what you want to do. If you want to start an AV rental company or a live event production company, start buying gear. You know, with cash, yeah. and then generate income. Go to the bank, take a loan out, and start growing your business, hiring people. Right. If you want to be a real estate mogul, start buying. You know, say, start look, I'm property. gonna I'm gonna work for the next 20 years, and every five years, I'm gonna buy a house. Right. And I'm gonna pay, pay cash for it, mm-hmm. and then at those at the end of that 20 years, I'm gonna start. You know, so down I want to start path. any notes. You got notes. What is here? that? Uh, here, you want you want to write that down? <laughs> I'm already you know I mean? I'm already 10 years late here, but but, uh, there, but there's a lot of things <laughs> that you can do. Like, uh, and the other thing is like you're you know a lot. And one thing I wish I would have done back in the day is bought stock because you get you sit oh, backstage yeah. all the time and you hear all yes. the information on what these publicly traded companies are doing and you're just sitting there so like get into stocks mm-hmm. and use your money that that you're trade you know you're, you're basically figure out a way to sit in the chair less and less if you do it for a living that's what you want to do right do it forever fantastic but if you want to figure out how to diversify then start thinking a little bit long term okay the next year i need to do this right the next five years 10 years 20 years this is what i want to do right right don't just do the same thing every yeah, single I mean, week. Yeah, I think that's important. Building your kit up, building what you what you use to go on show site, you know, building up your 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 whole thing. Like you had the uh, the switcher you bought, you know, years ago, and that's how you started to move up. I think everybody should be doing that. They Screen should, Pro Two, there Screen it is. Pro 2, Shout yeah. out to Screen Pro Two. Everybody should be doing that. I mean, it's it's just common sense. You, you you get to a point to where you can only make so much money, and then you add this piece of gear now that increases your value. And then you get called more for that because now you're a direct source for it. Well, you know, something that I, I've really been impressed with lately is is I, I watch, I observe a lot of people on Facebook and LinkedIn, and I look at like, okay, the millennial generation is they these are the new technicians, mm-hmm. right? Like my my age group, we're kind of in the middle. We're not right. quite the OG status yet, but we're kind of <laughs> like we're getting a little bit more gray okay. hair. Um, but what's interesting is I see a lot of people using social media to promote themselves, not just saying, hey, I need a gig next month. Yes. These are my dates available. It's here I am directing the show in Correct. Vegas. Here I am directing the show over I'm here. Yep. And it's showing what, what people are doing. And they're using social media the same way people in other industries use social media. Mm-hmm. To I'm seeing more podcasts, yep. people talking about this industry, getting excited about it. When I was doing this as a, as a tech, none of that existed. Right. So now it's like there's more of this community that's emerging. Yes. And that will lead the segue into kind of AV Educate and what you're doing with yes. that. So you've got a Facebook page called AV Educate. I've got it up on my uh, my computer now. Um, what's it all about? Why did you start it? And, and kind of what's the end goal? So exactly what you were saying. So AV Educate, I started as a, a napkin idea that was to to, to better it myself and my, my my coworkers and friends because I didn't have that resource growing up of, of where to go to get education to, to get better at this. It was either get mentored and trained on, on the job or read a manual. And there are so many more options out there, but there was nowhere, there was no centralized place to do it. So AV Educate is that, or it's, it's growing to be that centralized location where you can go to this, follow that, follow us, or follow AV Educate, not really us, follow AV Educate, and anybody who does any kind of training is going to be on there. And I, I'm posting on it, Chris is posting on it, a bunch of guys that, that are on this page post to that page, you know, you guys are posting stuff on it. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's meant to, that's what it's meant for. Like, hey, I want to grow this as big as I can so that, the new guy coming in, you know, year one is going to say, hey, I, I just follow the educate and every class I want to do, I, I they just they just post it well, on there. And, and you know what? It's working towards where I where I would love to see the industry going, which is if you look at other professions. So mm-hmm. if you look at there's these guys on uh, 
YouTube, Casey Neistat. Right. Uh, some of these bloggers that, that do like Photoshop touch-ups and, and they do, there's people that do reviews of cars and, but they're extremely entertaining, right. extremely passionate. They have millions of viewers. But you know, if I wanted to start that type of channel and review like cameras, you know, like SLR cameras mm-hmm. or talk about Photoshop, right. like that's a very, there's a lot of competition in that arena. And like, you have to be extremely entertaining right. to rise to the top. In our industry, it's still like a, a wide open room. Yeah. So like what I would urge people is like, get a camera, start blogging, start talking about your profession, the things you like, the things you yep. don't like, do a little confessional in your room. Yes. This is what I went through today. Um, start talking about new gear. Hey, I'm on the show site. I got this new projector I'm really excited yep. to use. And like go Facebook Live. All the tools are there at your disposal. And there's no static. Nobody's doing it but a few people. Right. Now, I think that'll change over time. But right now, it's like you guys are all the forefathers of this. So, the, I mean, I mean that's content. What I'm, What's the worst I'm, I'm that can happen? Cult, I'm trying to cultivate that right now. Yeah. I'm trying to get guys to, to, to do that because our industry is lacking that. And the manufacturers, when you, when you look at the, at, the, at the big picture, right, what they do for the in, our industry is, is pennies for them. Like, they, you know. Well, they don't understand our industry. And at the same time, the other issue is they are – they're always going to talk favorable about their product. Mm-hmm. So if you if you as a top projectionist is like, hey, I just want to talk about this right. new Barco projector I used. It's awesome. And here, let me t- let me guys, let me take you through it. Let's walk around yep. it. Let me let me pop the top off this thing. Check this out. Exactly. You you would be more of an influencer. So if you're saying something's good, that means a hundred times more than if a manufacturer is saying something's good. And then when manufacturers see that, like you're going to hashtag Barco right. on that or hashtag Panasonic. And then they're going to share that because they yep. know that that's, that's gold. That's marketing gold. Right. And now that builds their brand and it builds your brand. Exactly. So it's a, it's a so, double win. So it's like we should almost train people how to do social media. I'm not the best at it. Oh, yeah. But I think there's, there's natural talent out there. But it's just saying, hey, let's, I think the more people see others doing it, then mm-hmm. it inspires more to, to do it. I mean, you can go out for a couple hundred bucks and buy a GoPro, throw a microphone on top of it, and start vlogging backstage. You can go live yep. with your phone. I mean, you can do it on your phone, t- yeah. And all the tools are there. <laughs> my podcast, I, I'll give it, my podcasts are done on a phone, on iPhone 11. I, I literally talk on it, publish it. I use GarageBand to do all that stuff. I'm, I'm not an audio guy. I'm not savvy about it. But it gets the job done. People listen to it. It gets out there. You know, the whole world, you know, the age is exactly what you're saying. I wanna, I wanna provide that community so that that guy who who wants to do that stuff, who's who's willing to do it, I wanna partner with him and say, hey, use the platform, bro. I have the I have the people, I have the bodies. They want to learn. Use the platform. If you're motivated to do this, do it. So you can search AV Educate on Facebook. You can search AV on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest. There's a web page. I mean, everything is educational. It all leads to other guys to do the same thing I'm doing. If you go to the web page, there's there's at least. I want to say eight trainers on there that are in different fields for between audio, video, lighting um, that, that lead you to, if you want a list of expos to go to for this industry, go to the webpage. There's a list of expos. There's over a dozen expos you can go to. They're AV specific to corporate AV or, or installation. Uh, go to the Facebook page. It's the most active. We have a unit section in there. You can self-train yourself on the unit section. You can go to the files section and download over 100 plus files that we have. E-books, so you're, PDFs. You're doing decimator training. I mean, little things like that. We're doing decimator training. Yeah, little things like that. Yeah. So we did a post. It, it got some traction on it. We saw that. that you know why you got traction on it? Because nobody's doing decimator training. Exactly. And that's the thing. Training. Like, oh, the, this new piece. And that's what's amazing is you get some new, you know, record deck out on show site. You might be the first one to use it. Mm-hmm. Now do a video. Hey, I just want to do a quick recap on this product. Right. I'm going to show you how it works. This is what I like. This is what I don't like. Yeah. Nobody's doing it. So just do it, right? I mean, that's yeah. that's what I think is exciting. All right, last two questions. <laughs> All right, so what what is your advice for a young emerging 
let's let's say let's stick with the video side video technician what okay. advice can you give to them on building their brand standing out and ultimately you know shining on show site and becoming you know building up their own brand so the first thing to when i say building up your brand would be because you're all brand we're all brands right we're all and brands that's, yeah that's, you have to look at it that you way. know starting uh, you know obviously so, like, like you said social media is huge you you do that that's that's your portfolio for life Every show you do, you know, when I, when I, like, for example, when I do my social media stuff, I, I tag myself where I'm at, I tag what I'm doing on that show, and I tag, you know, hopefully if I'm with good engineers, I'll tag them as well with me. Um, and anytime a client has a question about it, I say, yeah, I did this show right here, boom. I did this show over here, boom. I was using the E2 for this show. I was doing this for this show. I was doing this for this client. Like, they have a, an immediate feedback of saying, okay, he's, he's done something similar to what I wanted. Um, so, so get your social media game on point. Be, be very cautious of that. On, on the flip side, they can get you in trouble. So be cautious of what you are posting when you're posting it and how you're posting it. Make sure the client's okay with it. Correct. If not, keep it very agnostic. Okay, mm -hmm. here's the switcher. Don't show what's on the right, screen. Right, don't show what's on the screen. Just show, right. hey, I was doing the switcher for a show. You know, be, be vague about it if you have to. Um, I do tons of stuff like that, too, on, on my personal stuff. There's also tons of shows I don't even post because I'm not allowed to because it's an NDA. Um, incorporate yourself. Get your brand going. You don't have to pay a ton of money to get a logo or anything like that. Use your name. Use whatever take you those, want. Take those tax deductions and everything. Yeah. It's all important. Yeah, yep. it's, it's, it's huge. Um, That'd be another thing. And then read the manuals for, for whatever it is you're doing. Master master any any piece of gear you want. Just master it. And I promise you, from the from the basic switcher to a to a, to a, a master, you know, two ME switcher, if you master one piece of gear, that knowledge will transfer to the next thing and transfer to the next thing. All all the gear we use in this industry, all the different brands we use, they're all very similar. It's different verbiage and different positions of buttons, or it's in a menu somewhere else. But it, it does the exact same thing. So you master one of those and you learn everything that that thing does inside and out. And, and get it down to a, to a finite of, of, of what it is. You go to any other product, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna still kill it. And never stop learning. Never Basically, stop learning. Basically, don't say, "Oh, I learned this product. Right. I'm not gonna go any." Read the manual because everything has its pros and cons, and I can go into a whole. I'm sure you can too. We can go to a whole conversation about the three big boys for media service and how they have all their pros and cons and how they have different different advantages and disadvantages of They're what like they golf can clubs. and can't do. I mean, it's, you can't use one yeah. club for everything. You can't and and. and I know people hate when I say this, but read a manual. I mean, honestly, read the manual. The manuals give you so much information. You know, even with projectors, I read probably for every brand out there already, like at least the five big players. I've read all their manuals. They, they are super detailed with keystone, with color correction, with warping, with distortion, with blending, with, with con convergence. So when I get asked questions like this, I'm like, you can literally read three of the top brand manufacturers, and they'll tell you how to do blend. And they'll tell you how to do black balance and white balance for the blend. They'll tell you what the projector settings are for that. They'll tell you what kind of signal you want to see for it. It's in the manual. It's not. It's not like no one's hiding it from you. It's you just got to go look for it. And y you might get experience on job site, and it's always fifty fifty on that because you know you're gonna learn a lot of things from different people, and everybody has their own way to do it. And take take what you take what you want from it. You know, get what you think is the best process for yourself because that'll be your, part of your brand. How you tune a room is part of who your brand is. How you do video, how quick you do it, how, how proficient you do it, how long you take to do it, how detailed you get into it, you know, how you do your color balancing. That is part of your brand. Well, because there's like little things, you know, like just zero, hitting the factory reset on a projector and setting it up. Right. Like you can kind of fake it. Okay, mm -hmm. here, people are going to look at it and say, okay, that looks okay. That's fine. Yeah. But if you can get into the deeper layers, figure out how to do black balance and color correction and make it perfect, right. then it's like, this is what you're paying me the extra money for, exactly. is, is this level of, right. of a blend. Like, yeah. it doesn't and, look and, like a blend. And my thing is, is always, always, not steer, but always try to do the top of, like, hey, I need to do all these steps to get it done. But if the client says, hey, it looks good the way it is, 
That's good the way it is. That's move, it. Move you're happy, with, I'm happy. You're happy, you I'm know? happy. Move on with life. Don't stress yourself out because right. you're not getting the exact best possible product of it because you know what? The client's happy. That's it. That's but all never stop learning. Never stop never pursuing. Stop Keep building your brand. Yeah. My, one of my tips is always um, don't be that guy at Yahoo or Google.com. Go out and give GoDaddy <laughs> oh, 10 yeah. bucks a year and, and come up. Go, That's if a good you want to be Omar Productions. Yep then it just looks a little bit more professional. I agree. Develop a business card. It's like those little minute details that kind of set yeah, you apart from and, everybody else. And if else. you don't have a, if you, you know, if you're not at that level yet, literally last name, first name, whatever your account is. And that looks it. way and more professional than Joe Blow from down the street. And <laughs> don't forget the importance of LinkedIn. If mm -hmm. you're putting that stuff on LinkedIn, people that don't know you will see it and yep. say, God, this guy's work looks really good. Yep. I'm going to, I'm going to hire, I'm, you know, I'm going to email yeah. this guy. I'm going to message him. Hey, I got a gig for you. Are you interested? You're going to get new clients. Yep. I think, I think if you're going to brand yourself, you should be on every platform, have at least a dozen topics on each one. And, and you know, you don't have to, you don't have to do it overnight and post a bunch of stuff. You look at any of my stuff, any, any of you guys stuff, it's, it's been posted over time and time and time and time. And Slow, steady pressure is, Slow, is, yeah. is the best way. Yeah. All right. Last question. Cause it, you, uh, you hit me with this one. I thought it was pretty good. Um, mentorship you know you i think one of your concerns is it's hard to get people to mentor other yes. people now I, it's not that i disagree <laughs> with you but i i do feel like the industry is young mm -hmm. we do have a new generation coming in mm -hmm. there's an older generation that's kind of retiring right. that obviously with with their retirement there's a lot of knowledge that they could pass along i honestly feel like if there was a forum or a medium or a school or something where people would call upon them and say hey so and so would you come in and, and do a master class on projection or would you do a master class on image processing and really come in and talk about the industry? Yep. You know, you know, let's 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 do something like that. When called upon, I think almost anybody would do it. It's just right now I don't know if they're being called upon. Oh. But maybe you have a different take mm. on that. But I know I would I would be kind of like flattered if someone was like, hey, I want to I want you to talk to me about like, you know, what it was like for you as a technician. Right. Like give past me some of your knowledge. But nobody's asked me that question. So you feel like they would step up to the plate. Oh man, it's so crazy you said that. So, so you're, I feel like you've worded that in a way that I'm not being proactive enough because I have verbiage that out in, in AV Educate on the webpage as well. There's actually a whole section about that if you were retired and like want to give out. And if you look at the, the verbiage on, it, on the Facebook page, on, the, uh, on the, the rules and settings and stuff like that that we have in there, we, we ask that of the community. Um, I've gotten very little feedback on that and most people that I do reach out to about it um, always have some kind of hesitation for it. Um, I can see an OGAV Facebook page coming, you know, get, <laughs> get those guys to spotlight. I mean, so, you know. so AV Educate, that's one of the things I wanted to do is, I, you know, I have guys that I know have retired that, that could give out so much information and there'd be no need of that fear of, oh, I don't want to train myself out of a job because these guys are already retired. And a lot of times I get is, is oh, it, the, the technology is too advanced for me now or, oh, I don't want to be involved and, and give anybody bad information or I don't want to be, I don't want to be held accountable for something I said on social media. And it's like, well, there, there's right. a point to that. Like if you stay, if you sit still, I mean, mm -hmm. I think projection is one of those, one of the few professions in live events other than camera as well. Right. Whereas if you stop for a while and let's say you stop for 10 years and you came back to it, a camera is still a camera and a projector is still a projector. Right. It's just the, the physics of it are the same. It's just learning the menu structure. Right. For me to go on show site now and try to mentor people, like I could talk about live events and why I'm passionate about it. But for me to talk to like people that are using E2s mm -hmm. and, and using this technology that wasn't around when I was, I'd be, I'd be kind of lost in the playground. I, d I wouldn't know where to start. I would feel very antiquated very quickly. Yeah, but you if I was picking up that projector remote again, it's like, okay, this is pretty close right, to right. where I left off eight years ago. It's not the same, but like things are kind of in the same but place. But you'd have the imagination for it. 
You might even, you I might, was never good at projection, so. Well, I mean, no, like, what I'm saying, you might not be able to control it anymore, you, but you know, hey, I know that this needs to happen for this to work. Or like, I, you know, I, I, know that this, I, I know that this can do these things. The process is the same. The technology Correct. is different, the but the process is and the steps are still mm -hmm. the same. Yeah, and with, I mean, with the media server, even with all three of them, and like I said, you know, they have the pros and cons, they all do this almost the same functionality, you know? You know, for, you know, just real quick, if I can touch on it. Yeah. Spider, the biggest drawback to the Spider is that with the E2 and the and the uh, ascender offer is that it's speed. They come preset with functions for you to, to speed up your process. Spider, you gotta build everything, every single queue, your preview window, your program window, your, your, all that's gonna be done from scratch. So that's, that's but the advantage is I have, if yeah, I have an X80, you, I have tons of pixels I can use to do You just gave I me want. a great idea for a podcast because there, there are like, and this has been this way for a long time, right. there's like the barcode image processing guys mm -hmm. and gals. And then there is there's the the Christie slash Vista side, <laughs> and a lot of times they don't mix. Right, it's just kind of like two separate camps and two separate ways of okay. thinking. That would be an interesting podcast. I've learned like I've all learned right, all three. Convince so. me why Barco is better than right, Christie right. or vice I, versa. I think they I'm have their pros ears. and cons. I know which one I prefer, but I'll keep that a secret. I know what it I prefer. It shouldn't be it shouldn't be that big of a secret, but I know what know. I prefer, and it's not that. All one. right, well we'll keep <laughs> that we'll keep that between us, right? Um, before we wrap up, anything you want to throw out there? No, uh, you know, thanks for having me How can people get a hold of you? You know, like uh, just reach me on AV Educate. I'm pretty open about who I am. You know, Omar Colom. Um, reach out to me. I'm always, I'm always talking to people about everything I can and whatever I can. I'm always trying to, you know, collaborate with anybody I can about anything, um, just to to give back to the community. So, you know, I'm always available 24/7. Well, my friend, thank you for your service. Thank thanks you. for coming up. Appreciate your <laughs> Appreciate time. Appreciate having you. Thank you. All thank right, you. Thanks.